Hey, happy Easter, Cold Springs Church. So glad that you are joining us to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his life that uh, continues to give life to us in our day-to-day existence, in our relationships, in the world that we live in today. Is, is that he is alive, and we celebrate that today. Would you pray with me um, before we open up uh, the scriptures today and, and get encouraged by the word of God? Jesus, thank you so much for this day and for the rhythm of spring, for the rhythm of being able to remember the story that has changed our story, to remember that we have come to life because of your life in us. Jesus, I pray that you would meet us um, in an extraordinary way in this day, wherever we are, that you would help us to be completely present with your story that you would help us to see how you invite us into your story. And Jesus, that your life would fill us to overflowing. And so in living in you, we'd be able to touch the world around us with the hope, with the truth, with the life that is found in your son, in you, Jesus. Amen. Have you noticed that life is full of contrast? One of the things that I enjoy doing personally is is that I enjoy photography, and um, I'm a very um, mediocre amateur photographer, Uh, but one of the things I appreciate about the modern technology, and particularly within phones, is that cameras have gotten better, and so um, I'm oftentimes stopping to take pictures. I was just in Santa Cruz here recently and walking along, and and stopped numerous times to take pictures of flowers and plants and these small things. And the thing that that brings out uh, a picture for me is where there is contrast. And in this time of year, particularly when you have the contrast of the dying, you know, or dead uh, grass that is in the background, and then springing out of that, you have this beautiful flower that brings forth this new life and this new promise. You see that contrast here um, in this season of spring. And it's that contrast that sort of captures us, that contrast that grabs us. And we live in a world of contrasts. And it's those contrasts that oftentimes as well give us the choices, the decisions that we face of where are we going to live, in what side of the contrast are we going to be engaged in. This made me think of a, a song um, by Dave Matthews Band that is uh, entitled Funny the Way It Is. Let me read to you just a, a little bit of the lyrics of that song. And he's reflecting in the song and about the contrasts about, of, that we experience in life. Lying in the park on a beautiful day, sunshine in the grass, and the children play. Sirens passing, fire engine red, someone's house is burning down on a day like this. The evening comes and we're hanging out on the front step, and a car rolls by with the windows rolled down. And that war song is playing, why can't we be friends? Someone is screaming and crying in the apartment upstairs. Funny the way it is, if you think about it, somebody's going hungry and someone else is eating out. 
funny the way it is, not right or wrong, somebody's heart is broken and it becomes your favorite song. Funny the way it is, if you think about it, one kid walks 10 miles to school, another is dropping out. Funny the way it is, not right or wrong, on a soldier's last breath, his baby is being born. And then he has this line sort of stuck in the middle of the song. Is there someone up there looking down on me? As we come to Easter and we celebrate this resurrection story of Jesus today, that he is alive, when we go to the story of the resurrection, when we go to the story uh, that we see these contrasts that are there. Let me read to you the resurrection story in Matthew 28, um, starting in verse 1. And I'm going to read down to verse 10. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. Within this story that Matthew captures the details of the resurrection story, it is a story of contrast. I was struck by these contrasts. And in, within the contrasts, what we see here is, is that we see the choice in the shadows. If you can think about contrasts of being the shadows that exist in, the, the, in our reality, in our day-to-day existence, in the things that we experience And the things that that these women experienced in this encounter with Jesus in the story of the shadows of going in and out that they experienced. And sometimes when we come to the choice in the shadows, sometimes it really is as simple as this or that. You know, we live uh, in a life oftentimes of gray um, and There are certain personalities that like everything to be black and white, you know, this or that, here or there, right or wrong. But sometimes when we come to Scripture, we see that that is the way it is, that there is a yes or a no. There is a forward or a back. There is a right or a wrong. There is death or life. There is darkness or light. There is enemy or friend. And that everything isn't always gray, that there is the shadow and there is the light. And there's a choice to be made within that. Let's look at this story just a little bit closer within this and, and look at some of the, the, the shadows, the contrasts that are brought out within this story in Matthew chapter 28. 
In verse 1, it says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now if you put yourself into Mary and, and Mary's position, Mary and Mary got up in, early in the morning, and then when they went out of their house early that morning, they were looking back. They were, in one sense, looking over their shoulder. They were remembering what had taken place, what had happened to this person that they had deeply loved, that they had suffered with and watched suffer extraordinarily and watched die. When they got up with this intention of going and and honoring the person of Jesus, that they were going to the place of his body. It was a new day. It was the new day of the first day of the week, the dawn of the first day of the week. And when you think about the dawn of the first day of the week, then what, what, what should evoke within that is this sense of opportunity, this sense of new beginnings, this sense of what could be, of what will be in the future. And yet Mary and Mary, on the dawn of the first day of the week, weren't thinking about the future. They were thinking about the past. They went to see the tomb. You know, there's, there's no more powerful picture of the past than the tomb. There's no more powerful picture of, of the past than this, this idea and the reality of death, of the coulda, woulda, shoulda in life right, of, 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 of being held and, and captured and, and even held in captivity oftentimes to the woulda, coulda, shoulda in life. This sense of loss, this sense of lost opportunity, this sense of lost relationship, this sense of, of, of emptiness that is there. You know, Mary and Mary, that's where they were. They were on the dawn of the morning of the first day of the, of the new week, they were going to the tomb. There was contrast that was there. In verse 5 and 6, it says, But the angel said to the women when they got to the tomb, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. And here's another picture of past and future. Jesus, who was crucified. So Mary and Mary, they show up to the tomb. They, they're showing up into the past on this new day that they have. And they are met in a way that they never expected, that they never could have even thought of or, or dreamed of with encountering this, this angel Jesus who was crucified, he said, I know that you're coming to see this Jesus who was crucified, that the angel was speaking a statement of reality. And it's a statement of reality which is central and core to our beliefs of if you're a follower of Jesus. He says that we believe that this is the reality, this is what happened, that Jesus was crucified, that Jesus was dead, dead. Not you know, sort of dead, not passed out, as some of the storylines came out of that. And, and even today, some of the, 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 the descriptions of, of Jesus' 
death and, and, and resurrection say, no, he really wasn't dead. He, he just sort of passed out. He swooned. He became overcome. No, Jesus was dead, dead. No pulse, no breath, cold body dead. Completely dead. That's the story that the scriptures hold for us. And there's a sense of finality in this. And any of us who have lost someone of whom we love deeply knows the weight and the depth of this reality statement that the angel made. Jesus who was crucified. Jesus who was killed. Jesus who is dead. But then the angel says, for he is risen. Which again is another reality statement, which is essential, is central to the belief and to, this, to who we are as followers of Jesus is that we recognize, we acknowledge Jesus was dead, that he was dead, dead. He was in the grave. Yet, he is no longer, he is risen, that he is, his physical body was resurrected from the dead. I had a professor in, in, in seminary, or not in seminary, in, in, at Oregon State University, and I took a number of religious classes. And he was well-respected, well-known within the Christian world, but came from this very um, liberal side of, the theologically liberal side of things. Wonderful man, very fascinating, very interesting. But... Uh, Marcus Borg was his name, and, and, and he held that, that Jesus was, had a spiritual resurrection and that you, know, you could find his bones someday in, in Israel. But that's not what the Scriptures teach. That's not what the Bible says. Paul, in fact, says if that Jesus was not physically raised from the dead, we are to be the people who are pitied above all. He is risen. He is alive. It is a statement of reality. It is a statement that death does not have the last word. It's not just some spiritual new awakening and, and that, that happens to us, that there is a physical resurrection that Jesus had and that we will have one day. And it's pretty fantastical, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it, it's a miracle. It's an act of God that is unexpected and extraordinary, which is the very definition of a miracle, isn't it? It's something outside of our ability to do ourselves, outside of our ability to understand, to comprehend. Through the years, I've had numerous conversations with, with people who have gone in and sought medical treatment for physical maladies that they have experienced. And, and they've, been, they've been diagnosed and identified with this serious issue going on in their life, and some of it life-threatening. And then people have prayed for them, and they've been prayed over, and then they've gone back, and, and that thing that was diagnosed, that thing that was, was identified through testing and through verification was no longer there. It was no longer there, you know, uh, operative in that person's life. They were healed. A miracle took place. And in the conversations with doctors who say, I don't know how to explain this. That that's their sort of opening statement. I don't know how to explain this. And you know what? Anytime you come and you have to make that statement, this is that what you have come up and you have brushed up against a miracle. You've brushed up against God. And here in the statement that the angel makes to Mary and Mary that you're seeking Jesus who was crucified. Yeah, a statement of reality. 
but he's not here. He has risen. The even greater statement of reality. Another of the contrasts, the shadows back and forth within the story is verses 6 and 7. Where the, the angel says, he is not here, he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. Therefore, you will see him. See, I have told you. And, and there's this shadow, there's this contrast of come see where he lay. Come see the tomb. Come see the slab of stone that his body was on. Go into that, that tomb where the stone, this, this stone has been rolled back that took numerous men in order to roll in front so that grave robbers wouldn't come and steal things. Come in to this reality and see where he lay, where he was dead. And he's not there. And, and now go, go quickly. Go and, and, and tell his disciples. You know, sometimes we have to remember the shadows so that we can move to the light. Sometimes we have to go and visit those dark places to remember that there is a, that there is a contrast, there is a light that is there, that Mary and Mary is there trying to wrap their minds around what is going on and what has happened. The angel brings them into the present reality to see what is real in order that, that what they're perceived, what they perceived to happen, of what they had seen where Jesus was laid in this tomb, that he's not there. Yeah, things have changed. Things have, have, have shifted. And in verse 8, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. I love this statement here. That they, that they departed quickly. They did what the angel said. Go quickly and tell the disciples. To quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Have you, ever, have you ever been in a position of fear and great joy? You know, when I'm thinking about fears is that we fear what we don't understand. And therefore, if we're not able to understand it, we're not able to control it. Now, I'm a self-professed control freak, right? I like control. Ask my family. Ask my kids. Ask my wife. Ask the people that have to work with me, all right? I am a control freak. But I'm, you know, I sort of that, know that about me. And, and here's the thing, is, is that when, when we don't understand something, when we don't have control, then we move to fear because we want to be in control. And if I can just grasp this, I can, if I can understand it, I can control it. And then I have a sense that, that I am in control. Great joy comes with the dawning of awareness that the darkness doesn't win. That the shadow isn't all there is. And so here, Mary and Mary, as they, their world is being rocked, as their, their perspective is being challenged, they have these conflicting emotions of great fear of like, what is going on? I don't understand this. I don't get this. And yet there's this dawning awareness that there's something amazing, there's something miraculous has taken place. 
The shadow isn't all there is. The darkness, the, the, the confusion, the, the lack of understanding, the lack of being able to grasp it isn't all there is. That there is something more that is there. In verses 9 and 10, Behold, Jesus met them, Mary and Mary, are going to the disciples, doing what the angel said. Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. They worshipped him, and, 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 and then the, the command was, Do not be afraid. You know, as I think about this command of Jesus and this, this contrast of, of them falling and, and, you know, at Jesus' feet in excited, great joy, and yet fear of, of, of what's going on? Who is this? It, it brings this question for me and for us, for you, and is what are you afraid of if you encounter Jesus? I think there's a lot of people, and I think that I'm, you know, fit into that camp as well. And but there's a lot of people can keep Jesus at arm's length. It's like, yeah, you know, it's the Doobie Brothers song. <laughs> Jesus is just all right with me, right? Yeah, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, I, I, I recognize that. But to really encounter Jesus to do what Mary and Mary did, to fall at Jesus' feet, to worship him. What are you afraid of in your encounter of Jesus? What are you afraid that you will have to give up? What are you afraid of that you will lose if you really encounter Jesus, if you worshiped Jesus? Are you afraid that you would give up your control of your life? Well, Jesus sort of does say, to follow him is, is that you have to stop following yourself. A follower of Jesus is somebody who simply, <laughs> they follow Jesus. Are you afraid that you, you're going to have to lose your intellect, that you're going to have to lose your mind, the fear of being seen as a fool by others if you believe this story of resurrection, this story of new life? I think there's a lot of people who are afraid of that. What are you afraid of if you encounter Jesus? You know, Mary and Mary had the proper response to the, to the resurrected Jesus in falling at his feet and worshiping him. You know, last week, in, as we were celebrating Palm Sunday, I looked at the story of, of Simon, who used to be a leper, and of this woman who anointed Jesus with this, this really expensive perfume and talking about, here we have an example of used to people. Their, their lives used to be ones who were separated from God, from Jesus, from others. And what does it take to be a used to people? What does it take to be a person who is reconciled to God, to Jesus, to other people? And in, in that you have to kneel before Jesus. You have to humble yourself before Jesus. 
you have to be willing to ask the question that the, 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 we looked at the story of the leper who was, who was healed, who may have been Simon, the leper that we're introduced to in that story later. And this, and this leper kneels before Jesus and says, if you are willing, you can make me whole. He made this statement of, of what Jesus could do. What is your statement of Jesus doing in your life? What is the question that you have for Jesus? Do you have the courage to ask him? And then you have to accept the touch. You have to accept the touch of Jesus. Jesus reached down and he touched the leper and his leprosy was immediately removed. Jesus accepted the touch of the woman anointing him and reached out and touched her, bringing life as he defended her against the accusations of this group of men sitting around listening to him. To worship Jesus is to accept who you are. To worship Jesus is to accept who you are, where you are, it is to recognize and to acknowledge that Jesus has been pursuing you and that you are the beloved of God. One of my favorite authors is a man by the name of Henry Nouwen um, who walked with Jesus for a really long time and, and took the time to reflect on some deeper things of what it meant to follow Jesus. And, and he speaks of, of a life out of the shadows. He speaks of a life of living in the light of Jesus. And let me read to you something that he wrote in, a, in one of his books called Finding My Way Home by Henry Nouwen. Jesus came to share his identity with you and to tell you that you are the beloved sons and daughters of God. Just for a moment, try to enter this enormous mystery that you, like Jesus, are the beloved daughter or the beloved son of God. This is the truth. Furthermore, your belovedness preceded your birth. You were beloved before your father, mother, brother, sister, or church loved you or hurt you. I love that line. You are the beloved because you belong to God from all eternity. God loved you before you were born, and God will love you after you die. You are the beloved because you belong to God from all eternity. God loved you before you were born. God loved you after you die, will love you after you die. Yes, I repeated that because it's important. In Scripture, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. This is a very fundamental truth of your identity. This is who you are, whether you feel it or not. You belong to God from eternity to eternity. Life is just a little opportunity for you during a few years to say, I love you too. You belong to God from eternity to eternity. Life is just a little opportunity for you during a few years to say, I love you too.
life in the shadows, life in the contrasts. There is a choice that we have of where do we live? Where do we find our presence? David Crowder Band has a song called Shadows. Let me uh, read to you a little bit of their lyrics. When shadows fall on us, we will not fear. We will remember. When darkness falls on us, we will not fear. We will remember. Now, in the song, he, he acknowledges, he recognizes the, the existence of the reality that every one of us lives in. is <laughs> that life is full of shadows. Life is full of contrasts. Mary and Mary lived in the contrast of the story of the resurrection. When all seems lost, when we're thrown and we're tossed, we'll remember the cost. We're resting in the shadow of the cross. That there is a shadow in all of these contrasts. There is a shadow that brings life. In the resurrection story, the story of Easter is a reminder of the story of the cross. The reminder of the shadow of the cross that brings light and life to our lives. That we can move back to life. That we don't have to live in the shadows. That we can move back to life out of the shadows into the light of the life of Jesus. And there is a choice. (laughs) There is a choice of where do we focus. And the dawn, you know, the morning of the dawn, the first day of the week, with all the possibilities, with all uh, all of the opportunities, all of the potential that lies ahead of us, are we visiting the tomb? Where are we going to focus? You know, we can only live today. But we can live looking back at the tomb or we can live looking forward to the dawn of the new day that God has given us, that God has given you. The past informs us, but the future invites us. The past helps us to understand, but but we can't live there. We can't go back there. The future invites us. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Those words are contained in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. They are written to a group of people who find themselves in the shadows. They find themselves in exile. They find themselves not in the home that they wanted or expected. And yet God speaks into that and says, I know the plans I have for you. God knows the plans that he has for you. If you find yourself in the shadows, if you are sitting in the contrast... God knows the plans he has for you. They are for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. But we must live in the light. We must choose to step to live in the light of the shadow of the cross. And and there's an ABC of doing that, of shifting, 
The A is accepting who you are. It's accepting that you are a person who is in the shadows, that you are a person who is separated from God, that you are a person who is in need of grace. And the B is to believe in Jesus, to believe in his love, to believe who Jesus is. And the C is to choose to commit, to live in the light of Jesus, to live in the light of the cross that is empty because there's a resurrection, there is a, uh, there is a new life, there's a new life for you. There's a new life for me. There's a new life for us because Jesus is alive. Back to life. Living in the midst of the contrast, living in the shadows, but in those shadows, we choose to live in great joy, not in great fear. We choose to live in the light of Jesus. I want to make you an offer as I close here on this Easter is that I love to hear the questions that come up and I love to hear the stories of your journey of back to life, your journey, the challenges and the, the beauty that you've experienced as you are seeking to step from the shadows and into the shadow of the light of the cross. And, and I would love to have a cup of coffee. I'd love to have a conversation around, uh, around that, to hear what that story is. And he, so here's my offer. My offer is, is that if you'll get a hold of me and you can email me at info at coldspringschurch.net, I have um, a gift for you. Um, I would like to give you a book called The Cure um, that talks about God and, and, and to give you an opportunity to introduce you to a God that maybe you didn't know really was there and that, and maybe see yourself in a way that you didn't recognize, but it's who you are. So to give you that offer of the, the book, The Cure, but also a conversation that if you would like, that we could have that conversation over the phone or uh, a cup of coffee, I'll buy that um, for you. Um, and to hear what your back-to-life story is, to hear your questions, and to see where Jesus might be inviting you out of the shadows and into the light. Where Jesus might be inviting you to come back to life. Would you pray with me? If you are praying right now, um, as you're watching this, I, I want to invite you into an ABC prayer to move across that line of faith. And it's, the words aren't magic words, but the essence of the words is what Jesus is looking for, for you to begin to follow him. And if you want to start following Jesus, then pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I, I accept that I am someone who is lost. I accept that I am someone who is in need of grace and in need of being reconnecting and reconnected to you 
in life. I accept that I have sinned and that I am a sinner and that separates me from God. And Jesus, I believe in you. I don't understand everything, but I believe that you are who you said you are. I believe that you died on a cross. And I believe that you are now alive, that you've been resurrected. And I believe that you love me and that you want my best, that you have a plan for hope and life for me. And right now, I choose to commit to follow you as best as I know how. And I choose to believe that your spirit has come into my life to lead me and to guide me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Jesus, for every one of us, whether we have said that prayer at some point in our life before or we have just done that in this moment, help every one of us to live out of the shadows and into your light. Help us to live a life that is moving back to life, a life that is found in following you. And every one of us is in the same place, is that we, we don't fully comprehend, we don't fully understand, we all are control freaks in our own way. But we want to come and worship you. We want the great joy that comes with knowing you. So Jesus, fill us with that great joy. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining Cold Springs Church for Easter. And uh, I hope that you'll email me at info at coldspringschurch.net and that um, I can hear some great stories. Blessings to you.